0: Business is Boring is made by the spin-off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. From the outside, the cosmetics industry can look like a pretty enormous ruse to part people with their money. A lot of the claims made for products don't hold up to much scrutiny. Often the ingredients are not that helpful and maybe even quite harmful, with an enormous amount of the industry being petrol product based. And seeing that the biggest ingredient in everything is water, sometimes called aqua to sound expensive, it probably isn't a surprise that the biggest cost for most products is the packaging. That packaging then goes on to the landfill most often, as the pumps and odd shapes and mixes of materials can mean recycling doesn't really work. There are eye-watering margins if you get it right, but big costs of entry. So it's an area ripe for all kinds of disruption, and one local company is doing just that, with a new scheme to help address the big waste problem in the industry. Evolution is a skincare brand, with products to address the effects of sun on skin pigment and treatment. They are a 100% clean brand, and more later on what that means, who are launching a new initiative to take back their packaging and also any other beauty packaging in return for a voucher for their products. It's a cool idea, and the eponymous founder, Emma Lewisham, joins us now to talk product design, sustainable practices, and the effects of UV. Kia ora, good morning. Kia
1: ora, Simon. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, thanks so much for being here. <laughs> hey, so first up... What led you to your interest in skincare?
1: Sure. Four years ago, I unfortunately had lost my mother to cancer, and it was a time in my life that I was starting to think about the way I lived. You know, I I wasn't taking my health for granted anymore. You know, coming into my thirties, it's something that I, that I did. And I started to change a lot about my lifestyle. Uh, and at the same time, I was thinking about having uh, a family. And I remember speaking to my doctor. You know, we were talking about health. He said, well, what are you putting on, on your skin? And I told him about this product I was using for my hyperpigmentation, which is a skin concern that shared with 60% of women uh, globally and one that really knocked my confidence and he said, oh, okay, that itch, that product is uh, quite toxic, it has a known carcinogen in it, and you really shouldn't be using it if you are going to have uh, a child or when you're pregnant. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm not going to use it now in my life, why would I ever use it? And I started to look further into this ingredient and sort of it opened up... Um, so much um, of what was happening in the beauty industry. So I discovered within New Zealand that the beauty industry regulations hadn't changed for at least 50 years and a lot has changed in that time. A lot of research has come out on what ingredients do to our our health. Uh, People use more products um, than, than we ever have before and I also started to get into the other ingredients that I had in my in beauty and it was sort of like an atomic bomb of chemicals that I started to reveal and think, "Gosh, this is you know this is not right." So, I wanted uh, a clean, you know, h- healthy, natural alternative, but something that was highly efficacious. And so, all of a sudden, I'm standing at the the health store and I'm looking at this organic argan oil and shea butter, and I went. Mm-hmm this is not going to give me the, the performance that I want. You know, I was used to using the high-performance serums and creams, the lemires of the world, and I was going, this, this is not going to cut it. You know, there's where's the, the performance? And, you know, the other thing that I found really interesting about the traditional beauty brands and what they were saying – they're saying our, our products are non-toxic. We only have traces of endocrine disruptors. And the research was showing, you know, those traces added up and there was no safe amount of endocrine disruptors uh, that anyone could uh, could apply to their skin. So I really wanted to be the change that I wanted to see in the beauty industry and my mission was to go out and create products that were truly clean of anything harmful but as if efficacious as anything in the world. So Le Mere of natural, basically.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. And, and is a really interesting place to start, isn't it? Because in many ways, to people who aren't familiar with the industry, yes. that would be kind of the gold standard of um, expensive <laughs> goop in a nice package, wouldn't it? And that Le Mere is the, uh, you know, wildly expensive um, skincare. Uh, nice. You know, many, many hundreds of dollars for kind of a 50 uh, mil pottle uh you know, four hundred and fifty dollars perhaps for a fifty mil pot. Yes. Um and, and so, you know, for someone outside the industry, what goes into kind of justifying four hundred and fifty dollars for something that's ninety-eight percent water? <laughs> not that your not that your products are doing that, but in the no. kind of Lemire side of things. No.
1: Well, I think what goes into it is a lot of marketing yeah, yeah. and a lot of beautiful packaging. And also, the products do smell and feel good, and synthetics do achieve that. They do achieve beautiful-smelling, beautiful-feeling products. Whether they add nutrients to your skin is um, the, the, the thing that I would I would question. Uh, synthetics are certainly a lot more predictable uh, and cheaper to use, but my belief and science belief is that plant, natural skincare, if done rightly. Delivers much higher results. It's giving you the nutrients, the phytonutrients, the omegas that your skin needs.
0: Yeah, because your yeah. skin is made of things similar to other uh, organic life forms. While synthetics, um, are, are most of them are based off petroleum-based products, aren't they? Which is quite a remarkable thing that people have for so many years been spending a lot of money to kind of put uh, fractionalized petrol and fossil fuels. On their face.
1: Yes, I think once you realise that, you don't want to keep doing it, and that was exactly what I found in the product I was using. It had ingredients to clean sewage pipes. So once you start and you reveal that, there's no way you want to continue to do so. So for me, I wanted to provide then an option for a high performing natural solution to the market, and that's only that something I wanted, and I knew the other women who are uncompromising also wanted.
0: Because there are quite a few brands that um, appear kind of clean and, and science that also are, um, are, mm-hmm. are mainly based on, on petrol products. Like Aesop, for example, or Aesop, however um, people are saying it out there, uh, which looks like it's very natural. Most of their skin products and their moisturizers are all based on these synthetics too. So even the ones that look clean often aren't. Why oh, yes. Why is that? Like how much easier is it to work with these petrol-based products, or you know, what, what are the things that mean that people choose to to use them?
1: Mm. So if we go back to the regulations for a moment, unfortunately there's no regulations around greenwashing, and people can say what they like and call themselves natural, uh, and I think that that is just as unfair uh, as brands using ingredients that are harmful for our health, because it lulls people into believing that they're making healthy choices, and I, yeah I, to- I totally disagree with with that um, and, and and that's why you know when we say hundred percent clean and we can go into you know how we um, def- define that um, we yeah we we ensure that we keep honest and clear and transparent uh, with with our with our ingredients and so yeah, the, there's, the greenwashing in the industry is, is is definitely there, and so consumers have to now have their wits about them and know what to look for. Even in natural skincare, unfortunately, there's a synthetic preservative used called phenoxyethanol, and that has come in replacement to parabens. So when parabens started to get a really bad name, and so that came into the industry, and that's still questionable in terms of people's health. So. Uh, Emma Lewisham, for example, we spent six months before we launched researching and testing a natural preservative so that we wouldn't use the synthetic one used uh, in the industry. So
0: Often when the um, old synthetics are swapped out, uh, the other ones are then based off kind of palm oil fractions, aren't they? And so Mm. a lot of the kind of natural replacements um, still don't have a particularly wonderful provenance around them.
1: Mm. They they can be, but there's actually alternatives to palm oils. They're just a lot more expensive. Can be up to 16 times more expensive. So it depends what your your brand's trying to achieve, you know. And I think from the the get go, we've been a very mission led business to be uh, to prove that it is wholeheartedly possible to have efficacious products that are. Fair and kind to people in in the in the planet so if that's your mission then you design everything around that and that includes the ingredients and what you use
0: and your special area of interest where you've launched has been around sun repair and uh the sunscreen as well yes. as um i remember seeing somewhere that uh The only true anti aging cream that exists in the world is sunscreen. And if everyone uses sunscreen every day, that's your very best uh that's your very best bet. What what was it about the um about the sun uh and and, and treating the effects of it that led you to start there?
1: Yes. So I started with the the hyperpigmentation serum so that turns up when women have uneven skin tone um, brown patches on their skin it looks dull because that was something that I had and really struggled with and always wanted to solve uh, and it was one of actually the the hardest issues to solve in skincare and the link to the sun protection is you're absolutely right. Um, the number one cause of aging and hyperpigmentation is a sign of aging is uh, too much sun and the damage done by the sun. And one thing that I really want to do is educate people exactly what you say, that you can, expend, you can invest and spend thousands on skincare. But unless you use a preventative and a sunscreen daily, you're really... Wasting a lot of money, so really, core to our brand is having a daily face cream with an SPF thirty as a minimum. So that's quite rare in the natural skincare world to actually have a day cream that has an SPF thirty because it's very, very hard to achieve with only one hundred percent natural ingredients.
0: Yeah, what a skin. What what are um, sunscreens normally made of? Because they've got a thick barrier, don't they, to stop the UV rays? And how do you kind of like create that barrier and maintain it?
1: Mm. So there's type, there's two types. So there's a mineral or a chemical-based sunscreen. So uh, the chemical ones, are oxybenzo, everbenzo, they actually, when applied to the, your skin, they actually absorb into your skin. So they're not so much creating the barrier. And they're the ones that have been strongly linked to the impacts that uh, we have on people's health, but also the planet. So that's the particular screens that are de- degrading the, the coral. Uh, and I believe it's from next year, 2022, that Hawaii actually is banning chemical sunscreens because of what it's doing to the reefs. So we don't use that. We use... Uh, <laughs> and, and <laughs> we, so what's it doing
0: to the people?
1: <laughs> ex- exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. people think that it's on the shelf that it's safe but I have to stress that there hasn't been major changes in the regulations for so long. So we use uh, mineral base which is zinc and that's where it creates a, a barrier on your skin to protect you from the from the sun. So the issue <laughs> and barriers to people using zinc sunscreens in the past is that they've been very white and very thick and very oily and I, When we started to develop our products, we did a huge amount of research. It was like a year alone just on researching ingredients, but also talking to customers and doing quantitative and qualitative research. And an area that we really unpacked was just the use of sunscreen in New Zealand. It's really low. So frequent use of sunscreen is 24% people do so. And we understand why people were not wearing sunscreen frequently. And the few things that came forward is people didn't want to put chemicals on their skin. And if they did use a natural base, sink sunscreens, it was really white and oily and they didn't enjoy wearing it. So there was a product barrier and an opportunity to overcome that. So with our sun protection, we wanted it to be 100% natural. Um, had to work, of course, uh, but still luxurious and light and and in- enjoyable to wear. And why it took us so long to to create it, but also now why so many people love it and it's done done so well. Yeah, how
0: do you go about creating a, a skincare range? Uh, as I imagine that the um you know the the barriers to entry are. Are pretty high considering that most of these cosmetics companies once they get to a big scale have Mm. the most remarkable margins but when you're coming in and starting and trying to take them on uh, everything to get started must be so so hard
1: yes and you have to believe in what you're doing and I truly did so I just went went for it I was in a fortunate opportunity fortunate position I mean that I had had uh Successful career before I started this, and so did my husband. So we were able to put funding into it and have a little bit of funding from our family to help launch. But from that, from now we are self-sufficient, um, um, which is which is fantastic. How we approached it, we um, partnered with scientists in Auckland, so very close to my home. There was four of them. We also had other panel of people, uh, business people, pharma- pharmacists. And we. our brief was that we wanted to create the most effective, luxurious products in the world without anything harmful for human health. And why that is different is we didn't go in and say we want a cookie cut formulation that you already have. And we want to add in a few sort of buzzy ingredients to make it look different. So we built our formula from from scratch. So it um, t- took a, a long time. Uh, I think the scientists that I worked with found me a bit of a pain, I must admit, <laughs> of how much I pushed them. because. They said it was basically impossible to achieve what I wanted to achieve, and it was too complex. But now they would say that it's one of the best products they've created. We wanted to put more ingredients into our products. We wanted to put them at higher concentrations, um, at concentrations that the science was saying that they needed to be at to work. We wanted to pull back the water, so the fillers. uh, So there's a lot. For for example, in our serum, there's 24 high-performing natural and ingredients at some very high concentrations. So when you're trying to create uh, that, um, it's very hard, very complex, because at the same time, you still want to get something that feels lovely to wear and luxurious to wear. So to hit all those pillars was hard. And I think for the serum alone, there was at least 50 prototypes.
0: Yeah, let's look at the concentrations, because that's something that's always like, Seem to me to be wild about mm. uh, a lot of cosmetics, and that you know, uh, you, you know, maybe a, 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 an eye serum or something will say has you know retinol and vitamin A in <laughs> yes. it. And then you look at the percentages that they're in. Um, and I worked on a project that that, that looked at um, some some moisturizer stuff, and we had a really straight-talking chemist um, uh, uh, working with us on yes. it. And he said, "Well, the um, we, we we showed him this thing, and he said well the amounts they're in.'" The dilution effect of the water that they're in mean that they can never have any efficacy. So you'd have to wear sixty puddles on your face at one time to uh, to be able to um, mimic the effects that it's 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 shown to be effective at. But because you had sixty puddles at once, the dilution effect you'd never mm. get there. So he mm. said this this product is is impossible to ever have any efficacy, and it just kind of blew my mind. And it was kind of like, but surely they can't say it's got. This chemical in there, if it's not doing anything, he's like, "Well, yeah, I- I- everything does." Yes. So there's this there's this enormous amount of um, not not exactly good faith science going on mm. in a lot of the um, a lot of the cosmetic industry,
1: mm. which makes it an amazing opportunity to do it differently mm. and to put concentrations in that are at a level that are proven to work, which is what we do and will always do, and why. I believe that in such a short amount of time we're getting such an amazing response to our products and the result people are seeing. So we also, uh, when we de- developed our product, because we knew we were coming up against people saying natural isn't as effective. We did and invested a lot in actual testing at the end of when we developed our products. So the Skin Reset Serum, we did both in vitro and in vivo testing. So one, when you actually trial it on, on people and do me- measurements and also get their subjective feedback uh, and also uh, on cells. And we compared our Skin Reset Serum against the Not natural brands, but the synthetic brands. So there was 10 of them, including Lumiere, Lumiere Brightening. And for evening skin tone and retaining an even complexion, we outperformed all of them. And the scientists that did the testing for us said, the most amazing thing about your product is not only did it stop the overproduction of melanin, which um, is what leads to uneven skin tone, you didn't kill the good cells whereas these products did have an impact on the good cells. So the fibroblast cells, which are linked to collagen, we let it flourish. So I think it shows a distinction of what natural and clean products can can do. So we're thrilled by that, that we can actually say we're an evidence-based product that just happened to be 100% clean and natural.
0: If you love the spin-off, the best way to show it is to become part of the spin-off members. This is the fund that helps us keep free and accessible to all without a paywall. It also funds some of our most important and acclaimed journalism. Check it out through the spin-off. It is I think it's going to be one of the things that they look back on in the future and they'll go you know these these humans of the the 20th 21st century <laughs> i think so. they, were, they were really hooked on that petrol stuff they used to turn it into creams and rub it into their skin and then they wondered why things didn't go that well uh, but the other kind of um addiction our society has is around the plastic and the packaging mm. as well and you've done some really interesting stuff in in both 100% recycled post consumer plastic packaging that Correct. you use mm. But also, you've got a, a new initiative that you're about to launch to take responsibility for it, hey?
1: Yes, absolutely. So as well as being clean to people's health, we want to be clean to the planet. And from the opportunity of building a brand from scratch, it means that you can make sustainability intrinsic to your brand, which it absolutely is. And I'm so passionate about this this area. So. When I was looking into what happened to packaging end of life in New Zealand I quickly learned that because packaging beauty packaging is so twistable and moldable uh, and squeezable it's actually very difficult even via our curbside recycling to recycle it uh, which means the majority of it is going to landfill and I was really shocked to discover that. I don't think people in New Zealand will realise that. The reality is, is this material, pumps and serums and moisturisers, they're not going away overnight. And so it's about finding a solution for now. So I'm, yeah, there's movements towards the likes of bars and I, I do think that there is a there is a future there, um, but I also believe that some products can't be made in to that sort of material, and the reality is that, um, yeah, coming back to I don't that that material is not going to go away in five years, and we need to do something about it now. So, I, went, how do we offer a solution to this? And there's two things the business the business model of beauty at the moment is a very linear model so people buy something they use it and then they throw it out and then buy another one so that really doesn't make sense to me so my view was let's work towards being a circular brand from the start so we offer on our glass bottles or our our serum refills. And we are coming out with more innovation and work around that in a few months, which was super exciting. So we needed the refill component to create the circular brand. But if people were not wanting to take the refill up or in the case of our sunscreens with the plastic, I didn't want them to be throwing it in curbside recycling and it going to landfill. So I had heard and read about TerraCycle, so they're in 21 countries. They've now diverted 7.7 billion pieces of material that would have otherwise gone to landfill, and I just phoned them up and I said, I want to be um, offer a solution for New Zealand beauty waste in New Zealand. And so six months ago, that was when I called, and we started to work through what that would look like. And I was very mindful of sort of the scale of like our business, and I and I really wanted to to make a meaningful impact here. So we decided to offer that people could not just recycle emolution material through our Emolution beauty circle program, but other brands of facial skincare products. So we're not just doing it for our own products, but for every brand. And, and so, how
0: how does that work? So you um you can just kind of send back whatever's sitting in your cosmetics cupboard that hasn't been used or is finished uh, through the program with you.
1: Yes, so how, how, how it works, uh, it's made really easy and free and there's an incentive um, put on it to encourage people to, to do so. People go onto the TerraCycle website, they download a free shipping label. We encourage people to send a minimum of four because of economies there. And they drop it off at their post office. And and in return, they get a $15 voucher to our website towards an Emma product. In addition to that, we also have some drop-off points through our retailers. So Smith & Coe's are part of it, East Day, Spring Spa, and The Facialist. So there is also that, that option predominantly in the Auckland and Wellington region, but the rest of New Zealand can do it via online and dropping material off at their post office. And then
0: what happens to it? Because I think you're absolutely bang on. Like, most people just have no idea that mm. a lot of what they put into their curbside recycling just goes for a nice trip to the sorting centre <laughs> before heading off to the yes, landfill. And yes, it's crazy. And it was crazy. definitely put into more kind of um, clarity for people when China stopped taking things. Yes. But it's always been the way.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I just I don't think one people are aware so I hope with this initiative that we make people more aware of what happens to their material end of life and they can start asking those questions and we push for better infrastructure and more ownership for brands to be honest I believe that if brands are going to bring this material in they need to manage it and look after it end of end of life so once the material where it goes is uh, TerraCycle has a plant in Napier so it's kept in New Zealand We will use the emulatium glass bottles again uh, in our program. They'll be used uh, as a refill model to keep them in circulation. Uh, The rest of the material will be made into pallets where they will be used for playgrounds, um, equipment within, within New Zealand. So giving them a second life and diverting it from landfill.
0: And it's super cool the glasses being reused as there's something I just can't get my head around. Another thing I think they'll look back in the future and they'll go... (laughs) These people—they made these wine bottles, and they made all these glass jars that could have lasted for thousands of uses, thousands and thousands mm. of uses. Like, look at the glasses that that people use for a hundred years. Uh, but they—they they made these beautiful bottles, used them once, and then smashed them, Yes. and then made them into new glass bottles.
1: Yes, it doesn't make sense, it's does bananas. it? Bananas. It doesn't make sense. So companies like TerraCycle—amazing what they what they're doing. And, again, very limited infrastructure in New Zealand with glass and what actually can be recycled in terms of the colours. So it will give that glass a second life. It will be used um, for more glass bottles or for, again, equipment and things within our community. And it means those items, we're not taking more from the planet. So it's using what we already have.
0: And so setting up that kind of uh, circularity in the business Mm. and also extending it to other people's products as well. So that's something you're just about to launch. And I guess that's probably also a really great great way to kind of win over new customers and get in front of new customers.
1: It it absolutely is. And I think it will – customers are going to be asking more, we hope, of the brands they're buying from based on this initiative. But in the meantime, we're happy to uh, play that role and to take that material back so that we can make a, a great, greater impact. Really, I, I think that what is what inspires me and why I'm passionate about businesses and what I'm doing is not all to make money, but to do things differently and to make a, a greater and wider impact. I saw an
0: interesting thing in the way that um, you, you'd written up about... Uh, and, and a really cool open letter talking about this initiative that people are able to uh, find online uh, by the time this podcast is live. <laughs> um, this really cool idea as well about reframing the way people looked at plastic from uh, an evil, terrible, <laughs> boogeyman. toxic boogeyman. <laughs> which, you, you know, like it, it, it is but, but, uh, plastic if not um looked after and thought of, does mm. break down into uh, things that end up being toxic through the world. But the reason it's used so much is that it is actually this quite amazing, versatile uh, product. And so to change people's, but the thing is that we just make it and then mm. and spit it out into the world and, and, and don't bring it back and don't reuse it. But yes. then changing that kind of uh, mindset from the boogeyman to something that could be precious, which was a really interesting way of terming it.
1: Yes, Absolutely. I, again, I don't think plastic is the evil. It's how we are consuming it and using it and disposing of it. So brands that are using plastic have to be more responsible with its use and we're using it. And that's why we have a solution to recycle it, but also to put value on it, to say, we want to collect back this material because it's really useful. We can use it again. So It is about reframing that perception of plastic is, I don't think it's beneficial to anyone just to say it's evil and then ignore it and to stop the discussion there. We need to go wider, reframe, reframe it and put action solutions in place. And this program
0: is going to be in place in New Zealand, but the brand has kind of a global uh, approach already, mm. doesn't it? Trying to um, sell and establish overseas and the like. Like, yeah, t- tell me a bit about the kind of the plan for the company, and um, you know, looking at the branding and the way that it's built. It's obviously built to have a kind of um, to be a platform that can work anywhere.
1: Yes, so and that's right. We're already shipping to thirty countries around. The, the world and our plan is to grow because we believe that there isn't any high performing natural brands that want to be as sustainable as us and there is a real market and opportunity for it so in terms of scaling these initiatives we will take back globally any of our materials we just ask people to hold on to at least four to make that viable and of course we have TerraCycle and other, other markets in Australia next year, we hope to launch this initiative where we actually take back not just Emulation, but other other brands. So it's New Zealand's a stepping stone. It's our first markets where we're most prominent. But we will continue to evolve and, and offer this to customers in the markets that we enter into.
0: Along the way, you, yes. you know, um, it's been a couple of years now working on the brand. Is that right? Or, or oh. it being live, and then a couple of brands years of research. It's
1: four years in total. Yeah, yeah, yes.
0: And along the way, you know, talking to people, especially when it was more of a dream that you were researching and developing, than this tangible thing that people can see and go, mm. "Oh, yes, I see you've hit the the standard that you're 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 going for." Did people tell you you were bananas to try and take on <laughs> the cosmetics industry?
1: I think people knew me and especially my friends and family and knew I was going going to do it anyway. But not, do you know what? Not really. When I explained what I wanted to achieve and do, people got it and were behind it. And I was, yeah, I'm lucky to have uh, family members who have been entrepreneurs and um, it's sort of the forefront of their industries and I'm, my grandmother was the first female CEO and so in in New Zealand real estate, so no, I they they didn't, and I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool,
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what advice would you have for people who are looking to um to, to make a product with purpose in an industry that um <laughs> yeah could use a bit of a shake up?
1: I, my advice would be to to go for it, and that. <sighs> We're all busy, but if you believe in something, you'll find the time to do it. I was working a job, which was 50 hours. (laughs) I was pregnant. Uh, I still found time to do it because I really believed in it and was passionate about the change that I wanted to make. So that would be my advice.
0: And as a final thought, like, what will success be for you personally, but also what will success be for the brand?
1: Mm. So success for me personally is being able to be present with I've got a, a daughter as well. I've we had a baby in the meantime, so we've got a one-year old daughter. So being able to be present with her and teaching her good values of kindness and compassion, and but also standing up for what you what you believe in. and so family and friends and having that that time is personal success for me. On the business stage, I would like to see, regulation changes in the beauty industry in New Zealand and it's something I'm really passionate for campaigning around and uh, we've done already commissioned a lot of research and more to come come there Uh, to be the world's most sustainable luxury beauty beauty brand and to make a meaningful difference in the beauty industry to to prove that we can have 100% clean products and natural products that are effective as anything in the world and don't compromise people's health or the planet's health
0: oh, That's so cool, well look forward to, to seeing the journey and thank you so much you. Emma Lewis-Sym, founder of Emma Lewis Skincare for being here today.
1: Thank you so much really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you to Tina Tiller for producing.
1: Thank you Tina <laughs> Thank
0: you all for having us along and uh, and listening. Cheers You have been listening to Business is Boring presented by Simon Pound Brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by Sparklab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Sparklab, visit sparklab.co.nz.